Hello, darlings, it's Karen here. I'm afraid I'm not having the best time. Back in my home city for the first time in 50 years, and my bore of a mother thought that she could abduct me just to yell at me. That might have worked on 40-year-old Karen, but I'm a hundred now, and I'm not going to take any of her nonsense anymore. As it turns out, my mother was breaking a few clan rules, because my stonecutter family turned up to demand my release. I had everything handled, of course, and you know that. But that was certainly the tidy way to get out of there. I'm horribly embarrassed to have been seen that way by my father-in-law. We have an underdark guide, thanks to Flynn and Ido, and he took us out to some old mines to start our trip to see Murphy's contact. And no sooner had he broken through into natural cave space than we were attacked by some horrible creature disguised as a stalactite. We showed that monster what for, of course, and we're just lying down for a bit of a rest. We can hear something approaching. Back on our feet, I guess. The Underdark rests for no dwarf. Everybody and welcome to the Terrible Adventures of the Janice and Bruford's Parchment Company. We're now up to part five of our Hivewood Bound arc. Wow. My name is Penny D, and if I was, you know, if I was an act in the circus, um, I think I would be the ringmaster. Like I would love the whole, you know, the microphone coming down, and I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Terrible Adventures of the Janice and Bruford's podcast, the circus. Um, so I think I would be like, you know, I could see myself with the top hat and the coattails and the microphone and the spotlight and not actually doing anything physical, but like really like hype, hype person for the rest of you. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I can imagine that. So my name is Nathan and I play uh, your favorite sales obsessed halfling bard Flinvar. And if I was in a circus, I'd be in a circus that didn't have animals. And I think my role would be prop master. I think that'd be quite fun. What does a prop oh. master do? So, like, creating, like, the set designs and, like, the stuff people use to make, like, the show. Like, if um, my favourite non-animal circus is, like, Circa Delay, you know how they do, like, the crazy body art on, like, poles and stuff? Oh, yeah. So, I'd make sure they had all the cool shit to make that look nice. Cool. Awesome. And it's not as technical as lighting, because I'd fuck that up. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Stephanie, and I play Frankie, your least favourite average human being. Um, no! I... Lies. <laughs> I love Frankie. <laughs> I think if I was, you know, working in a circus, my role would be, sorry, Liz, administration, accounting. <laughs> the circus needs money to run. Somebody has to do this. <laughs> that person is going to be me. Uh, I suppose the circus does need money to run. <laughs> the circus needs money to run. Someone's got it pay the people <laughs> got to do invoices at the circus otherwise you know when they go to put up their tent the permits person comes and takes it all down so exactly important role of the circus That's right. my name is liz and i play karen your poncy upper class dwarven barbarian and sorry nate but if i was in the circus i would be in a different circus to you because i would be a trick rider <laughs> i would have a little white pony and i would be doing all kinds of acrobatic acts on my little white pony and just having a really nice time. 
But don't worry, because my horse will be treated very well. I don't mind horses and those kind of animals in the circus because they are treated well. It's the like lions and leopards and stuff that you have to keep in cages. Otherwise yeah. they bite people. Those are the ones that like, I wouldn't want a circus with an elephant because nah, while nah. they're lovely, oh. you know, put them in a cage, but a horse isn't going to be a pain in the butt. He's going to run around and like have fun. Have a good time. We love, yeah. We love, we love horses. We love dogs. People can be horses. Too. Horses and dogs. <laughs> people can <laughs> People, you say can, be people can be horses and dogs. Heck yeah, they can. <laughs> I mean, in I've some seen the kind of circus. <laughs> people can be whatever they want to be. <laughs> in all levels except physical, um, I am a little white pony. Oh, absolutely. There's a whole king, there's a whole king dedicated to that. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> so this I'm is getting bring out the, the black leather mask. And anyway, bring leader. Yeah. Bring us under control. <laughs> what kind of podcast is this? <laughs> it's the kind where Poppy introduces himself next. Hello, I am Poppy and I play uh, Idafa, the tiefling rogue. What a classic combination. And yeah, once again, I'm sorry, uh, Nate, I would be in a different circus because I would be the dog handler. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, I'd have all these lovely puppies around. I'd be teaching them tricks and I'd be feeding them and giving them lots of cuddles and they'd have a great time out in the ring. That would be my ideal circus job. Hell yeah. So we've got one non-animal circus that has a lot of good backgrounds and we have one dog and horse circus. And, <laughs> That's all there is. <laughs> and one of these circuses has really good invoicing and accounts, but the other one not so much. <laughs> Steph, can we uh, tempt you? <laughs> <laughs> Steph, we'll, you let like you, we'll let you horses. pet the animals. We'll let you pet I, the animals. <laughs> so, like, I love animals. Late circus, you can stand in the background and no one will see you. I also like that as well. <laughs> what if we had a, a circus co-op and Steph, you were doing like the finances for all of these places and like coordinating all to like a T. Oh, it's a, it's a circus just, co-op. A circus yeah, broker. I, I, feel, I feel like that's a exactly what happened. At that point, isn't it just one circus? No. Well, if all the administration team is the same, I suppose it Cirque du Soleil, but then the, the smaller circus, Cirque du Soleil animals, or animal. <laughs> well, we are very off track at the moment, because this isn't, this isn't a circus planning podcast, this is a D&D podcast. Uh, how do you all feel about jumping back into the terrible adventures of the Janus and Breffitt's Parchment Company, Underground oh, so Edition? Excited. Oh my god, I'm so ready. So, you are all lying, feeling exhausted. Uh, in a cave filled with softly glowing flora. Having defeated the roper that was attempting to make you its next meal, you would be ready for a rest. Uh, however, you hear multiple sets of footsteps uh, quickly approaching you. And Poet says, Please trust me. We, we don't want the locals to find us like this. The muffled footsteps are getting closer, coming from behind you the way you came. Uh, the only way out is further into this cave system, uh, what do you do? Uh, Karen says, run. Go, lead us to Poet. Uh, yeah, cool. So Poet's kind of an old man and he's fairly tired, so he's not going to be the fastest. Um, would one of you like to lead the way and would one of you like to bring up the rear? Karen, do you want to hold Poet? See, I was thinking about that, but the problem is that Karen's about four foot tall, and if I'm not mistaken, Poet is quite a tall man, and I just don't think that leverage-wise, I mean, she can easily pick him up, but I don't think she can, like, run while carrying someone who's... Sitting on your shoulders, his feet would probably be touching the ground or anyway. Yeah, like... 
I don't, I, don't, I don't think that that would work. So, so who's at the front and who's at the back? Karen's happy to take up the, the front. Okay, cool. And who's the, who's bringing up the back? Thank you, Will. I was going to say, Artifa's going to turn to Murphy and be like, Yo, Murph, uh, can you carry this old geezer? <laughs> Murphy will do his best. Uh, <laughs> he rolled a seven, so he's going to do his best, but you'll probably need a second person to help him with that. Before Karen sets off, she's going to hand Frankie a potion of dark vision, and she's going to say, oh. "Use this if you need to, Frankie, but not before." Good luck. You go. The tunnels are a lot less built now, and they more resemble cracks in the rock. If any of you are claustrophobic, the hurried feeling of squeezing through tight gaps and crawling through tiny holes under fallen boulders and feeling hard stone pressing in on all sides is really making you nervous. Karen, the tunnel splits. Do you go left or right? Can I roll history stone-wise? What's that? This, this is naturally occurring tunnel work. This isn't stone work. Damn it. Okay. Uh, left. Cool. Poet encourages you all to keep moving uh, as you go left. Uh, he seems not afraid, but determined. Uh, those of you who haven't heard it before can hear it now. Um, there are multiple sets of footsteps keeping pace with your own, coming from in front, behind. It's hard to tell with your own footsteps and all your breathing bouncing off the walls. Uh, the tunnel splits again, one seeming to travel upward and the other having a short drop down before continuing on. Uh, Karen, which way do you go? Uh, up. As you pick your tunnel and you carry on, you can hear the sound of uh, running water coming from somewhere ahead, as well as a, a light breeze or, or some kind of like more moving air than what you've been feeling. Poet's begun to regain his stamina and manages to slip ahead of you, Karen, and, and take the lead. Uh, and as he is uh, running ahead, uh, you hear him say, oh, oh no. And ahead of you, you can hear the telltale sound of feet getting to a halt. Those of you who can see ahead, see the light that illuminates the walls, just stop. Only darkness lies ahead. Uh, I want everybody to make perception checks, please. Ooh. Okay. Hell yeah. For Karen, that's an 18. Uh, for Ido, that is a 22. Nice. For nice. that is a not natural 20. Damn. For Flynn, that's a 17. Hey. All of you. An enormous ravine lies out in front of you. Your tunnel just kind of opens out into nothing. You can barely make out like a solid rock wall about 60 feet away across from you. Have you ever been digging around in Minecraft and then it just sort of opens out into a big oh God, underground, yeah. Yeah, yeah, underground yeah, ravine? And Idafa, you can hear the sound of trickling water sort of echoing up from below. There seems to be, there might be water at the bottom of this ravine. Hmm. Behind you, the footsteps are getting closer and now they're accompanied by whispers and the sounds of daggers being unsheathed. And then from around that last corner steps a tall, athletic female elf with purple skin and white hair tied back in a bun. She's wearing an eclectic mix of drow and dwarven armor, the drow made of leather and bone with uh, streaks of glowing moss kind of like purposely put in these intricate patterns all across it. Um, she's also wearing a dwarven chest plate, which is sturdy and metallic, but it's much too small for her athletic body. It's kind of worn as like a sports bra type fit on her. Behind her, another warrior appears, shorter, 
with a heavier build. Her attire is similar with different moss patterns, but this time the dwarven armor is only a set of greaves. Uh, and then another, and then another, and then another, until around a dozen drow women are blocking the only exit that doesn't involve a leap of faith into terrifying darkness. The ones at the back have each drawn their arrows into longbows, and each one is aimed at one of you. The first drow warrior, uh, whose eyes are locked firmly on poet, begins to say something that perhaps you don't understand. Does anyone in the party speak under common? No. 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 Not even close. So they begin speaking in this language that you don't understand, and Idafa, you feel a light, uh, almost delicate graze on your left arm. Next to you, uh, Murphy meets your gaze, like he, he looks at you and he, then he looks down, and you follow his gesture and you see that in his hand there's a small dangly clip-on earring. He turns to face front, and you can see that he has one clipped onto his own ear. Oh, I grab it out of his hand. Okay, there are many, many dangerous-looking women warriors with arrows pointed at you, so you might want to consider doing this quietly, stealthily. I'm just going to roll stealth, if that's okay. Go ahead, roll stealth. I want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, natural 20, baby. Yeah, very nice. So if you don't mind me adding flavor to this, you can go ahead and use your invisible mage hand to pluck this earring out of Murphy's hand and very stealthily, kind of scratching your head a little bit, very slowly, like very deliberately, clip on this earring. And kind of all the sound that you can hear scrambles for a second, but then once it sort of unscrambles itself, you realize that you can understand the conversation that Poet and the Drow Woman are having. Okay. Very exciting. Poet says, uh, I'm afraid he's a bit busy, and he doesn't like it down here any more than I do. And the warrior says, Then you will help us. Our sister has become corrupted. You have returned to our domain, so you will follow our law. And Poet says, uh, that's, that's not really how it works, Tez. And the warrior Tez casts her eye across the party. You have brought surface dwellers into our Underdark. You know what we do to diggers and thieves. And Poet says, uh, These are not diggers. They have simply got business here. They will not harm your precious mosses or spiders or whatever else you worship now. And the warrior kind of snorts, tears kind of snorts and says, (laughs) The only business surface dwellers have here is the kind that destroys our hunting grounds. Come with us. Now. The rest of you, you have absolutely no idea what this exchange is all about, but go ahead and roll me an insight check. Absolutely. I love rolling. Oh, um, for Karen, that is a 16. As soon as Artifa hears spiders, he looks at Frankie just like, Oh, God. (laughs) But he doesn't say anything about it, so he's just gonna. <laughs> oh. I might come up later. <laughs> I think he got a uh, not natural 20 again. Nice. I've only got the same. Okay, so all of you are kind of picking up. You're like, you don't understand the words, but from the cadence and from the way that they're speaking, you're kind of picking up that poet knows this person. Mm. Like, this, is, this isn't this is an exchange between strangers. Mm. Karen, you, you have dark vision, right? Yes. At the back of the group. You can see that there there are some male drow who resemble Totalhein. You've you mm. met Totalhein before. They've got the same kind of clothing as him. Yeah. They're smaller than the women at the front, and they're dressed much differently. 
Um, but amongst them, you can see a prisoner. You can see someone tied up. Uh, and from the stature, it appears to be a dwarf. Oh, okay. Any kind of identifying features on the dwarf? Can I tell if they have, like, any kind of family affiliations? Run me a perception check. That is a 17. Yeah. You recognize the Goldseeker crest? Mm. And the the peculiar kind of coat that they're wearing? You are pretty sure that you... This is Alicast. You're pretty sure that, like, this is this is the exact, like, outfit that Alicast was wearing the last time you saw them. <laughs> and and Tez, Tez says to Poet, Fine then. You do not trust us? A show of faith. This digger was found trailing your group. Join us for the cleansing, oh. and we will release it. And the smaller drow bring forth their bound prisoner. And now, Karen, from the like grunting and the the noise that it's making, you can't see the face because it's been uh, it's been you know has its face covered. But you are ninety nine percent sure that this person that they have captured is Alicast. Mm, Karen says in Dwarvish, uh, "Looks like you're in over your head this time." Uh, poet turns to look at you, and then looks back at the the drow and the prisoner. And Idafa, you hear him say, "Hmm, the defector." How convenient. Very well. And then Poet turns and says in common to the rest of you. These people need my assistance with a family matter. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go with them. It's either that or they kill us right here. And I'm afraid I'm currently at a loss for firepower. Wait, wait, wait. But we can't go with you? Why not? He turns to you, Karen, and says, um, my apologies. Madam Stonecutter, I will rejoin you when this favor is concluded. Uh, follow the river upstream until you reach a waterfall. Your meeting is just beyond the veil. And then he turns to you, Idafa, and says, um, These people are not friendly with outsiders. While I enjoy your attitude and your... Uh, I enjoy you... You are much more likely to have your throat slit if you join us on this errand. Yikes. Adifa, go ahead and roll me an insight check. Okay. Um, that's a 22. Yeah. Um, not only is he telling the truth, you also gather that he doesn't want you. Like, he is... You heard him kind of making a plan in Undercommon to himself. Um, so he's telling the truth. Uh, but also he doesn't want you to come with him. Like he, he has his own agenda, uh, right now. And he, he clearly seems to be making excuses why you can't go with him. Oh, okay. I'll let it go then. Poet, uh, walks over to the drow woman and he turns back to you, tips his bowler hat politely, uh, and disappears with the trow back into the tunnel, leaving you, uh, without a guide, but with a new party member. Sub bitch. <laughs> Yikes, this is tense. <laughs> Karen is still speaking dwarvish to this dwarf that I assume you guys are, can't quite recognize. And Speak she dwarvish says, here aside from Karen. No, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I speak dwarvish. She's basically just scolding in dwarvish. She's saying, What on earth did you think you were going to achieve by following us down here? I hope you are coming to apologize to me because that's the only way that I'm going to even start to begin forgiving you for what you've done. And she strides over to the dwarf and pulls the bag off of the dwarf's head. 
Uh, yeah, it is Alicast. Um, she's been gagged and blindfolded underneath the bag, so she can't see or speak to you at the moment. I look at Karen, I go, there's a ravine right behind us, you know. Oh, I know. Oh, I can't do that. It's not <laughs> sister after all. And she takes off the blindfold and the gag and the wrist binding. And she says, so? What have you got to say for yourself? I thought I was going to die. Oh, you don't, those drow, they don't release prisoners. How did you do that? Just, uh, good luck, I suppose. We're salespeople. First, we are strong warriors. Look, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Karen, but the forge works in very particular ways, and... You should be sorry. Look, you're fine, you're fine. Look, you've, you've been in the dragon's den and you've come out the other side. I'm sure that you got some catharsism or I'm sure you feel better for having confronted mother. Like, you're welcome, I guess. My father-in-law had to step in. Do you realize how embarrassing that is? Well, I'm sorry that you have Stonecutter backing. I'm, I'm sorry that you got to find out that your family actually cares for you. Gosh, that must be terrible. Not that he cares about me. And she's just going to um, start following the uh, river upstream. The river is super far down. The next oh. challenge that you guys have is you need to you need to climb down this big ravine cliff <laughs> to get to the river. So go ahead and tell me how you're going to get down there. Okay. Firstly, can I don't want to uh, just whisper to Murphy like, "Hey, can I uh, keep this earring? It's pretty sick." Uh, Murphy winks at you and he says, um, uh, "It'll be available in my store the next time you come in here. If that's something you're interested in." Uh, do you t- do you take pre-orders? <laughs> no, go ahead and hand it back right now, please. <laughs> I don't really Ooh. sadly unclips it from his ear and it looks sick as. He looks really like classic emo. <laughs> and he like hangs his head and hands it back to Murphy. Like, hey, I, did, <laughs> I did freebies for you guys the one time, but I'm still a businessman, okay? You want to buy it from me the next time we come here? I only have the one pair. I tend to use them myself, but maybe I can sell you one and keep the other one for myself, you know? Just, uh, you know, maybe put my name on it. Maybe lay-by. I got coin. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll reserve it for you the next time you come in. Yes. I, know, I, think, I think we're going to get back to Yimmer City around the same time. All right, team, let's find a rock. I have a feeling that if we don't get down this ravine, we're not going to make it back to the city at all. How far down is... How, how deep is the ravine? How far does your dark vision go? Yeah. I believe I have 60 foot of dark vision. Yeah, um, let me double check. Uh, yeah, yeah, 60 foot. Does anyone have dark vision more than that? Nay. Okay, you can't see the bottom. It is more than 60 feet down. Mm. All right, uh, who has a rope? Frankie would like to try something. Sure, Frankie, what have you got? Frankie is going to rub some light sla- sa- salve bomb on a stone. So more or less casting light on a stone to chuck it down to the ravine to see... If we could see how far the light goes. Sure, oh. yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. It's a great use of great use of your abilities. Go ahead and roll me an intelligence check. Okay. <laughs> that's a nine. <laughs> oh. It's tough to like once it gets past a certain distance, 
from you, it's tough to measure, right? Because it's just getting further away from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were to guess, you would say it's probably around 100 feet down, maybe more. Mm-hmm. But one thing that you do pick up on the way is that there do appear to be some, like, threads of some description that travel out, like, towards the other, towards the other side. Yeah, and Frankie would just like to say that, you know, the further down you get math and science doesn't work because of the gravitational pull of the center of uh uh that you know Matt don't worry about it uh he's just trying to make up excuses as to why he couldn't calculate it correctly <laughs> or about it pats frankie on the back he's like god frankie you're so smart <laughs> so um how are we getting down one of our reaches into his bag of holding and he starts pulling out his rope, he's got a uh, 60 foot of rope. I'm like, I've got this, but I'm quite fond of it. You're fond of your rope? You're yeah. fond of the rope. <laughs> well, <laughs> luckily, uh, luckily, we, you won't have to worry about losing your rope just yet. Um, and Karen pulls out two 50 foot lengths of hemp rope and she's going to say, Who, who does the best knots? Flynn, were you a Boy Scout? Maybe I was in the military. <laughs> Similar. That's kind of like boy scouting. Did you learn how to do ropes? Yes. And knots? Yes. Good. I can tie a granny knot and that's about it. And she's going to hand you a hundred foot of hemp and rope to kind of tie together. Uh, meanwhile, she was going to take out a pitten from her pack and hammer it into the uh, stone floor. Um, to provide a nice, strong place to tie the rope off onto on the top. Oh, yeah. Roll me a, just roll me a quick survival check and see how good you get it in there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is a 14. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're pretty confident that's not coming out. Like, you put it in on an angle, so you're yeah. pretty pretty confident that given the rope will be pulling on it in, a, in the right way, that's probably not going to come out. Cool. I rolled sleight of hand for tying the knots. Well, what, what I was asking was, would it be sleight of hand or would it be history for my knowledge that I learned? Uh, it would probably still be survival. Stuff like tying knots okay. and stuff, I consider to be survival skills. Um, <laughs> if you can really make a good pitch for it being something else, please go ahead. But my my basic like first run at that would be it's a survival check. Do you want me to roll for it? Yes, please. I'll roll survival. Because it's the same stat as my... <laughs> <laughs> 17. Yeah, you've got a pretty good knot. Uh, not only do you manage to tie the uh, ropes together, making around a hundred feet of hundred feet of rope, you do a pretty good like way of securing it to the pitten. So you are pretty sure that this is going to be a fairly fairly solid. Like, it, what's going to go wrong here is probably not going to be your knots. <laughs> oh God, that's not okay. Karen's <laughs> now got a backpack which is on her front. And she's got nine pistons inside it. She's got a hammer in her hand. And she says, Okay, uh, does anybody else have pistons? And they should be, if you if anybody's bought a Dungeoneer's pack, you should have those. No. No? Not for me. Oh, yes, yes, I've got one. <laughs> yes! Karen says, oh, oh, fantastic, Frankie. That is fantastic to hear. Can you uh, put, them in, put them in this backpack, please? Frankie does that. Okay, and she is going to wrap the rope around her so that she can kind of slide down it. This is going to be very dangerous for Karen. And she's going to say, okay, I've got 19 pistons. 
I'm going to hammer them in every ooh five feet so it'll be easier for you to come down with the rope and the pistons at the same time please lower me down carefully when I say stop stop and when I say go go <laughs> um, Alicast is going to step up and take the front position on the rope and say uh, don't worry Karen I spend a lot of time down here in the tunnels this is a great plan let's do it don't drop me <laughs> Can I suggest that you say a red light, green light? Uh, no, I'm saying go and stop. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a safe word situation. Stop means stop. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, the secret keyword for go is uh, go. So, <laughs> Gotcha. Secret yeah. keyword. Karen, I'm going to get you to roll me a couple of athletics checks. Uh, because of your plan, I'm going to get you to roll them at advantage because you've done Lovely. a good job. Does anyone else have another way that they would like to assist or help in any way? I don't know. Does encouraging words count? Yeah, absolutely. You could still have Woo. advantage. Um, if you do want to uh, cast light again, Karen would quite appreciate a light source because even though dark vision is good, light is better. Maybe like a Simba paste across her forehead. Yes. On the rope. Oh, oh yes. Uh, on the rope. Whoops. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Frankie was just about to just slap him on Kieran's yeah. face. I'm glad <laughs> you, you don't. Yeah. Cool. Rope is a better idea. Especially for as you all come down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait. Would that make the rope kind of slippery? You know, weird to hold on to. Yeah. No, because we are, while we are flavoring your spells as artificer spells, uh, there's nothing in the light spell that okay. says that the thing also becomes slippery. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that you have a glowing Yay. rope. The first 50 feet are glowing, the second 50 feet not, uh, and you're good to go. Yay! Yay! Flynn would also like to cast Inspiration on Karen. Oh, thank you. Uh, remind me what that does again. Basically, um, you can roll a D. Eight now oh, for cool. ten minutes. Add that number that you roll to your ability checks, attack rolls, or saving throws. Lovely, and I can do that after I roll. Yes, yep. Okay, cool. I will leave that there just in case I roll extremely badly. All right. Well, Karen, roll me an athletics check at uh, at advantage. Cool. That is a 18, 19, 20, 23. <laughs> yeah. So the first twenty feet. Uh, it's pretty easy. Like you're, you're, re you're really right there. Are you attaching yourself to the rope in some way? Like, are you tied to the bottom of it, or are you just climbing down? She is. She's attached to the rope. Yes, and um, she is being let down by the people at the top. Cool. So she goes down five feet. She says stop. She hammers in a piton. She says go. Another five feet. Stop. Hammers in another piton. Okay. All the way down. Yeah, cool. So that is, that's fine. So the first about maybe third of the way, you're really successful at this. You have, your rope is lit. The cliff is uh, fairly, you know, it's it's rough, but it's fairly straight down. You don't really have to worry about it too much. So yeah, you're about, you're about 30 feet down now. Then you run into your first problem, which is that the cliff starts to uh, move inwards. So if you, you're going to need to pull yourself in towards the cliff to continue doing this. Okay, can I see further down and see how much further it goes inwards? You're 30 feet down, you still can't see the bottom. Okay, so it, it goes in and then it doesn't come back out again, it's not like a dip in the wall, it just kind of... Yeah, it goes in and then it carries on down. 
Okay. So for about maybe the next 15 feet, you're going to be moving in a diagonal that's going to put you at a fairly challenging angle, and then okay. it carries on downwards after that. So roll me another, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that the, the shape of the cliff is going to cancel your advantage, so go ahead and roll me an athletics check. Okay. That is a natural 20! <laughs> oh my god, Karen coming in clutch. Yeah, very nice. You managed to swing in, and on the swing in, you just like, with one arm, just jam the pitten in, and it sticks right in the right spot. You know, between two rocks, so it just jams in there perfectly. And then after that, you're really able to, like, properly just get in and climb down. You do have to use a few extra pittens to get this part, so you don't quite have enough to get all the way to the bottom now. But for this kind of angle, especially for the people coming after you, you're going to need a few extra handholds to properly make it down. Definitely. Okay, so I've currently got 19 pittons, well, I've got 19 pittons all up, which means I have 95 foot of distance going down. Yeah, so let's say now you're, you've got 80, you had to use like two or three extra ones for the angle, you've probably got enough for 80 feet down now. Okay. So you are now 60 feet down, can no longer see the party because of the um, angle of the cliff. Right. But you can now see the bottom. Good, fantastic. So judging by, it's pretty close to the outside of your dark vision, but judging by the level of where you're at, you can see the bottom. You would judge by how far you've climbed and how much, how far you can see. It's probably about 110 feet down. Bloody hell. All right. Oh, I'm, glad tied, I'm glad we tied those two ropes together. Okay. And and also at the bottom, you can start to see, you can see that there is a river at the bottom. Um, it's it's a, a, not like a underground torrent. Uh, but it is a fairly, I, I would probably call it a river, not a, you know, not a lake, not a stream. It's its wide enough to be considered to be a river. Okay. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, the moss and the glowing, you know, fungi and stuff down there that's kind of giving it a little bit of color once you can see that far. Okay. Is there like a, a, a river bank? Is there a flat place kind of underneath where I'm going? Or when I go down to the bottom, will I go directly into the river? At the bottom, there is a large moss-covered rock. Like if you let go and fell, you would land on a fairly flat surface. You would get hurt, but yes. there is a sturdy spot for you pretty much directly underneath. Okay, I would like to, if you will allow me, light to light a torch and drop it down. If if that's not, if you don't want me to do that, I will wait until I get to the bottom to... Um... There is a risk that if you let go with one, because you, like, you'd have to one hand hold a torch and one hand light it. Yeah, that's true. No. There is, a, there is a risk that you would fall if you tried to do that right now. You are right. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep going down and I'll light some torches at the bottom for everyone okay. to have a look. So go ahead and roll me one more athletics check. Um, you can have advantage for this one because you can see the bottom and you are now working with a vertical cliff again. Woohoo! Oh, thank God. That's, I'm so glad you said I could have advantage because I rolled a 2, but I also rolled a 17. So plus 8, that is... 25. 25. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's, that's perfect. You managed to hammer your way down, uh, the rope at the bottom. There's like a 10 foot drop that you, uh, would need to kind of fall. The rope doesn't quite get all the way to the bottom mm. and you're out of pittance, but you figure if you drop now, you can tie the rope to the final pitten and then you can catch people once they come down. It just comes down to like the rock below looks mossy, not slimy, so you're probably going to be alright to drop down onto it. 
Cool. Yeah, I will do that. Yeah, so you untie yourself from the rope. You tie it onto best you can with one hand, tie it onto the final pitten, and then you let go. Uh, and yeah, you are, you land fairly flat-footed. Um, you're still a dwarf, so you're still, you know, you're still fairly sturdy. <laughs> and you land on this sort of moss-covered rock. Uh, and around you is fairly pretty. You can hear the sound of the river. There's a lot of like this sort of glowing moss that comes in all those neon colors. You know, you've got greens, you've got blues, you've got pinks, um, a little bit of yellow. And it's a fairly like despite where you are and like how far underground you think you are at this point fairly pleasant little spot you found lovely okay i'm pleased with that i would like to light i've got some i've got some torches so i would like to light maybe four of them put them into a square so that people can see like the landing zone is in the middle of the square yep. and once i've done that i will yell up to the rest of them and say okay It's a tough climb, but I believe you'll be able to do it. (laughs) The ropes and the pistons should hold. Frankie first. Frankie, are you going to go next? (laughs) Uh, Frankie feels like it. Uh, I'd like Frankie to come first. Uh, um, I'm just going to, out of character, uh, Karen would like Frankie to come down first so he can uh, light the other 50 foot of the rope. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but cool, if, he cool, cool. Do, if, if he doesn't want to do it, that's totally fine. You guys can have a discussion up there. What, what's Karen, what's Karen going to do? She's 110 foot down the cliff. <laughs> Frank, Frankie can't seem, you know, scared. You know, he's got to be cool. <laughs> even though, you know, he's terrified of literally this whole situation. But you know what? Let's let's go. Let's 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 try. He, you know, when he's talking, his voice is higher than usual so frankie would you prefer to roll this as a athletics check an acrobatics check or a survival check uh, <laughs> i'm going to say uh acrobatics yep so this is going to be uh you don't have advantage for this uh because <laughs> you are admittedly very scared yes but you do have you do have help if you if you can give me a reason why you would have advantage then you can have it um, if you can't think of anything, then we'll just roll a couple of uh, acrobatics shakes to get you down. Okay. Uh, I think Frankie should have help uh, because he's scared, and uh, he's scared, uh, and he doesn't he, he doesn't know how to climb down. <laughs> maybe some, maybe somebody could be like, "Hey, here's a tip. You know, don't fall off the cliff. You know, or like." <laughs> Hold on to the rope. I don't know. Like Karen will be guiding him as best as she can, but because she's so far down, I, I don't think she'll be much help until you're a bit further down. And I don't want to, out of character, say anything, but you guys up the top can probably come up with a kind of uh, system to lower him down a little bit safer. So Flynn will show him how to do some spelunking moves that he'd learnt in the military, which also has maybe a land rescue side of it. You know, orienteering that you used to do? Oh, yeah. Boy scouting. <laughs> yeah. With guns. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, just take it slow. You know, your body's got this. Your adrenaline will kick in. You'll be like, I'm the man. I can do this. I don't have any inspo left, but I can just give them some nice some nice words. Thanks. Appreciate that. I ain't got okay. inspo, but I got fitspo. <laughs> Frankie, are you ready? Frankie's ready. So how are we doing this? Are you, like 
I described Karen tying off the rope onto the bottom pin, but like if you don't want to do that, you can have Alakast pull the rope back up and tie a little foothold or something for yourself or like tie yourself to the rope and get lowered down if you want to. The last person will probably need to climb properly, but the first person, like you can get lowered down by the group if you want to. Oh, I would definitely recommend making a harness, like a safety. So you're using the pittens to to go down, but you've got the rope as a catch-all kind of thing. You you guys, you guys had other ropes. No, I'm not allowed to say. I can't say. Oh, oh right from the beginning, though, Ido was like, I have rope. But then Karen was like, I've got more rope. And I was like, well, all right, then. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, you, you guys do what? have more ropes, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a half-pulled-out rope. So... Frankie, do you want to tie yourself to one of these ropes and, and like sort of get lowered down and you can use the other rope as kind of a guide or, or like how are we running this? Yeah, yeah. So like if I, Frankie ties himself like to a rope as like a safety, you know, catch and then just sort of like abseil down. Yep. Uh, I think that would be a good idea. Okay. Between Ido and Flynn, how long, how much rope do you guys have? I have 50 foot. Uh, I have a 60 foot. Okay, so you guys between yourselves have enough to lower him all the way down, if that's what you want to do. Hell yeah. Yo, Frankie. <laughs> and he can use the pittance to sort of like keep himself next to the wall so he doesn't end up too far out. So that's a good plan. You've got Alakast at the top, who is pretty strong, as well as the other three to also lower you down. So uh, Frankie, roll an acrobatics check at advantage. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> so in total, that is an 11. It's a bumpy ride. <laughs> At the point that you get to the where the cliff dips in, you try to like swing out and in, and then you hit what well, you hit your face on one of the pittens, oh. and give yourself a give yourself a little bit of a bump on the face. You got yourself a little oh. bit of a uh, maybe a, maybe a blood nose or a black eye, and you almost fall, but not quite. Uh, it's it is a classic Frankie <laughs> Frankie danger zone uh, on the way down, but you do make it. You get, lowered, uh, you get lowered all the way down. Karen catches you in a fireman carry, and you look at her and you say, "I bumped my nose," and and you're at the bottom. Oh, darling, you, you were very brave. You did a really good job. He's got tears in his eyes and his bloody nose, and he's like, "I should have paid more attention." Karen rubs his back and she says, "You did so well. Now you're down here. You see, now you don't have to do it again. You're already done." Yeah. The rest of you. You have uh, Flynn and Ido, and also um, Alakast and Murphy are still at the top. So most of you can use the same method that Frankie used to get down. But mm-hmm. who's going last? Because who's going last is going to be an actual climb. You're not going to have someone to lower you down. I'll go last. I say <laughs> heroically. Karen does not want Alakast to come down last. <laughs> Just keeping an eye on her. Yeah, I do not blame you. I'll go second I want to kind of like push through this section because we've got more stuff to do. So who is next? I'll go second to last. Okay, so Alakast will not be able to, like at a certain point, you two will have to lower Alakast down. Um, she's not heavy, she's still a dwarf, but she was she's the main strength-based person who is doing this. I reckon me and Ido, or Flint yeah. is Ido, I reckon when we get to our turn, if we both help Alakast down, I mean, you've got strong on Alakast, so you'll use the pinchins and maybe not rely on us, but just in case. Right, that means Murphy is next. Yeah. So Murphy's going to go ahead and roll. He got a 12. So he has uh, only a slightly better time getting down than Frankie. <laughs> he sort of at one point kind of like lets go of the cliff and sort of 
loses the, you know, loses his spot. He's kind of hanging out into nothing. But you guys do manage to lower him down. Um, and Karen, do you catch him or do you let him drop or? No, oh, Karen, Karen absolutely catches. She, she's, she's spotting everybody, so she's always ready to catch them. Hey, Karen, you have a great embrace. This is, this is a wonderful time. I hate this. <laughs> a great embrace. <laughs> you're not the you're not the only one, Murphy. Let's go back to being business colleagues only. And she kind of places him down on his feet. Uh, so next up is Elacast, uh, who is going to use. Uh, she she's a um. She's pretty used to being underground. She's a miner, uh, and she's used to mining by herself. Um, so she is going to use a combination of probably climbing down the rope. Um, so she's going to tie off the rope on the first pitten and then climb down that rather than let people lower her down. Is that fine with the top with with you two? Yeah. 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 No, she's fine. She rolled a seventeen. Nice. She kind of Tarzan's her way down, a uh, little bit showing off. She gets to the point where she's within Karen's uh, sort of like range of dark vision. And you can see her like kind of like, hop, hop, like drop down to, you know, to the next <laughs> pitten. And then she doesn't even need to be caught. She she lands and she kind of does like a gymnast finish. And she's oh my like, goodness. she's oh my like, ah, what do you think of that big sister? <laughs> well, I suppose that's uh, only to be expected. How are you two doing up there? I'm coming down now. Okay. Flint, what's your what's your preference for uh, skill check to get down? Uh, I'd like to use acrobatics. Yep. Go ahead and roll me an acrobatics check. If you can give me a good reason why you have advantage, now's the time. I'm re-rolling because I rolled in that one. <laughs> so, so Flynn watching everyone, like he kind of leans over the edge a little bit and goes, oh, and gets a little bit of vertigo and then writes himself and gives himself a little bit of boost. And then I roll... Another net one. Um, a seven, a seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another net one. Do I get to re-roll if I um, roll two net ones and I'm? D- does the lucky trait say anything about when you re-roll, you must use the new? Because um, I think I play a halfling in a different game, and I think I've rolled two net ones in a row, and I used the second one. But I don't know if it's like part of the. We'll, we'll look up the skills at some time and see what. Yeah, it is. I'm curious to know. Liz looks very concerned about the answer to this question. Well, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking because I know the lucky feat, which is you can use it three times per long rest. I hate that feat. Oh, at a certain point, at a certain point, it doesn't work anymore. But uh, I'm I'm not sure of how that relates to the lucky uh, trait for halflings. Flynn, yeah, you managed to you managed to get yourself down. You did a great job. You remember uh, back in your um, back in your army training, the you know the rope climb was actually one of the things you were really good at. So this is this is no issue to you at all. You're you're very small. You're not very heavy, and you also you don't have a lot of weight on you because you have the bag of holding. So you don't have like a backpack or something that's off weighting you. So yeah, you you're down easy. Karen catches you, um, and you think, oh, yeah, what's the big deal? This is fine. Yeah, that, was, that was fun. Karen doesn't even need to catch him like a fireman's carry. She just catches him like a bell, like a like a ballet lift, and just like puts him on the ground, just to <laughs> slow his fall a little bit. But it was all very smooth. I for lucky last. Okay, so I saw Frankie go down. Oh, not Frankie. Sorry, Flynn go down like nothing. And I was like, oh, all right, I'm all good. So because no one's lowering me, um, and I saw how Alakas did the thing with the with the pittons, I'd like to try that. <laughs> Okay, do you have any reason why you would be good at this? <laughs> Sticking out of the house with booty. <laughs> is my inspiration still active? Just in case. Your inspiration is still active, yeah, but it's starting to run out. Okay, just in case I need to do an emergency roll. Oh yeah, the cat. 
That's all good. Um, what would you prefer I roll for that? If you're specifically trying to copy what Alakast did, I would call it an acrobatics check. Okay. Sweet, sounds good to me. Let's try it. But you don't have advantage because I can't think of any reason why you would be specifically talented at this. No, yeah, makes sense. Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, are you safe? Are you safe? Oh, no. So that was a natural one. Oh, 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 free, free falling. Like, sort of? <laughs> hey, kia ora, Penny here. These are some exciting times. A few updates and then we'll get back to the adventure. It's live show season, you guys. Our first Twitch stream of 2022 is happening on Sunday, March 6th, one week from the release of this episode. Come join me, Poppy, Nate, Steph, Liz, and special guest Liv Artisan as we ditch the stress of our day jobs and have a quiet afternoon at the beach. Starting 3pm New Zealand time, join us at twitch.tv slash jbpcpodcast for some improv fun with the cast of the show. We actually did a live show last year. If you'd like to see a recording of it, you can do so by making a donation to our Patreon, which is up and running. There are several tiers you can sign up with. All of them have access to this type of Patreon-only content. Uh, but at the higher levels, there will also be opportunities to affect and interact with the show, and you can even play D&D with us at the right tier. As promised, I would like to offer a big shout-out to our current Factory Foreman patrons, Dusty at Gamers ADHD and James Courtright. You guys are both awesome friends of the show, and your donation is so appreciated. The Patreon is our attempt to stay ad-free and keep the release schedule without any of us burning out. We're currently training a new editor, and I'd like to be able to pay her for her time. So if you enjoy our product, please consider stopping by patreon.com slash jbpcpodcast and pledging a monthly donation. We promise to do our best to make it worth your while. Music credits, thanks to Brian Bolger for Black Mass, Future Glider, and Floating Home, DivKid for Commander Impulse and Polymetric Juggling, French Fuse for Press Fuse, Straight Fuse, and Target Fuse, and Unicorn Heads for Wolf Moon. As always, our social medias are facebook.com slash Podcast and at jbpcpodcast on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Episode 28, Hivewood Bound Part 6, should release on March 13th, and in case you missed the live show next week on the 6th, a playback recording will be made available for patrons after a couple of weeks. I am really enjoying our current content, and I hope you guys are too. Let's get back into it. So, Idafa, you climb down the rope a little bit, and you get to the point where the cliff caves in mm -hmm. and you are like okay cool I saw how Alakast did this I'm gonna like swing in and grab the next one and so you swing out and you swing in and you go for the pitten and you completely miss it and you uh, hit the side of the cliff and you start to fall okay I burn an electrum I'm going to so I'm just looking up something really quickly which is the jump height of three plus your strength modifier so three plus Okay, I can jump 11 foot. That's right, Basketball Karen. I forgot about that. Yeah, you, oh. did you forget about Basketball Karen? I forgot about Basketball Karen, yeah. <laughs> uh, Karen who does sit dunks. So, Idafa bounced off the cliff face and is now falling 60 feet. Okay. So, are you going to make a, like, try and make a, like, a catch? Yes. 
Okay. So as as he's falling, she like kind of stamps her feet, and blue light kind of emanates out from her, and her eyes like flash blue really quickly as she burns an electrum piece. And as he falls, she would like to jump in the air 11 feet to kind of try and catch him at her apex and bring him down with her. Cool, go ahead and roll me probably an athletics check. But I think because of rage, you have advantage. Is that right? Do I have advantage? I'm pretty sure you get advantage on strength checks when you're raging. I have advantage. Yes, I do. Okay, yeah, absolutely I do. So that's advantage. I'm going to be using that inspiration. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Please save my colleague. (laughs) Okay, thank God for the inspiration because my advantage was an 8. Yikes. Plus 8, so a 16. Plus 7 for the inspiration. Thank you, Flynn. (laughs) So that is 23. And that is what Karen is going to do. (laughs) Idafa, you hit the cliff and you like go to reach out with your hand and you grab nothing. And you're like, have you ever had like ice run through your veins when you realize you're just effed? Yeah. It's kind of like when you go to do a skateboarding move and then it just does not work for you and you land on the concrete and break both your elbows. But Aww. but something different than that. <laughs> and you, you fall through the air and you fall for probably a few seconds just like grabbing onto nothing. Do you scream or like how do you, how do you do this? Oh no, I'm completely mute. I can't get a single, like I'm breathless pretty much. It's like I've been winded. Also, I hit a cliff, so I've probably been winded. <laughs> Luckily, Karen can just see far enough that she saw you hit the cliff and fall. And Dragon Ball Z style just like jumps up into the air at the right moment. And just as her inertia is bringing her back down, like catches you. How do you catch him? Is it fireman carry? Is it over the shoulder? Is it like it's holding up a baby? Prince, definitely Princess Carrie. Definitely Princess Carrie. Um, and then you both fall. Karen, are you are you taking the full damage on your own, or are you uh, like are you blocking him for the ground? Yes, definitely. Okay, I'm gonna get you to roll because of how fast he was falling. I'm mm. gonna get you to roll two d ten, and I think because you're raging, you take half full damage. So yeah, just, do, take, just take just take two d ten halved damage. Okay, that's one. That is where are my d tens? That's a three plus a four, so a seven, halved, three falling damage. Cool, so you take three fall damage as you like land on your back, uh, carrying Idafa. Idafa, you can take three damage as well. Absolutely. I deserve that. (laughs) (laughs) Flynn just like standing there with his hands gripped in his hair like, did that just happen? (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone need a rest? Yeah. Off, please. Oh, please. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I make up a little kiss on the forehead. Oh, thank you. No, you don't need to be sorry, darling. I'm I'm sorry that you fell. It was very brave of you to come down last. Oh. That was so Oh, I'm just glad you're okay. You you've got a little bit of a graze on your elbow. Do you need a a, a salve? Are you are you doing okay? Do you do we should we rest? Yeah, oh, I'm gonna yeah. rest. Karen's a bit <laughs> flustered. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a sort of wide enough, flat enough, soft, like the moss is quite thick on this rock. This is an okay place to like sit down and have a sleep if you want to. How does this rest look? I've got rations, but a sleep and a smell reset is my priority. (laughs) Yeah, does anyone have a tent? I don't think I've got a tent. I've got a bed roll. I've got a blanket. 
we could possibly like put a blanket up as a little uh, covering point and then kind of huddle underneath it if we want to maybe i feel like it's not going to rain here so as long as someone's on watch like i'm happy to take the first watch mm, that's true that's true uh okay yeah uh what what is what is kind of do we feel i mean i'm i'm sure we feel tired after climbing down that cliff but do we feel like it's kind of sleepy time or what what kind of day time of day would it be if we had to estimate it like when was the last time we slept? <laughs> it's super hard to tell, but the basically what happened is the last time you slept, you were in, you were in the Forge City. You traveled for half a day to get to where you went underground. Then you traveled underground for a couple of hours. Then you fought a roper. Then you ran through the tunnels. Then you spent a while getting down this cliff. Like it's probably like seven eight p.m. But like. Yeah, it's bedtime. It, it's difficult to tell. It's probably a little early for like, you know, your mere city bedtime, but like this is fine. You could you could definitely sleep now if you wanted to. Okay, yeah. I, I feel like yeah. we uh I feel like we should take a rest. <laughs> I'm gonna like go around and tuck everyone into their bedroll and Aww. then I will sit very like sternly. <laughs> like I have really ruined this, uh, so I'm gonna make it up by, by keeping watch. So if Idafa doesn't sleep, then he doesn't get a long rest, so we need a second and a third watch. Yeah, that would be ideal. Yeah, so Alakast will offer her to do one if you trust her to do one, and who will take the third watch spot? Do we trust Alakast to do one? Uh, Karen gets up early anyways, so if we put Alakast on third watch, um, Karen will watch with her. That sounds good. Thank you, but we, we watch. Frankie will do second watch. Okay, cool. Cool. So everyone go ahead and take a long the benefits of a long rest. So healing and spell slots and abilities reset. Um, Idafa, go ahead and roll me a perception check. Okay. With advantage because you have dark vision. Okay. Where am I doing? Oh, perfect. That's a um, 22. Easy. That's pretty quiet. You do see some wildlife watching you. Like you do see some spiders larger maybe like small dog sized spiders checking you out but they don't approach they just sort of like sit in their webs and kind of look at you the river is doesn't seem to have any wildlife in it overall it's a fairly quiet uh fairly quiet watch oh awesome um then i nudge frankie awake frankie go ahead and roll me a perception check do you have uh, access to dark vision i do not i thought you said you had dark vision goggles Oh yeah, no, no. Sorry, it was the those the goggles are the minute seeing, not the dark vision ones. But Karen gave me that potion, so I did. he he's going to take it now. The potion was that part of the potion samples kit. Yes. How long does the dark vision last for? I didn't put it down. Frankie, um, I imagine you have dark vision for around half of your watch, just because this is part of the samplers kit, and they're not meant to be like big long sets. Go ahead and roll me a perception check without advantage, but you could have a plus four because half, half of it. Yay! Uh, twenty six. Yeah. Nice. Uh, same again. You see some of the spiders get kind of close, <laughs> but they don't like uh, they don't approach, and they don't necessarily like. Maybe they're just trying to get a better look. There's, there's more of them now. Like, Idafa only saw two or three, but you see probably closer to a dozen of them. Oh, God. They're the size of, like, a Maltese Terrier or, like, small dogs, but they are definitely larger than spider size. But they don't um, they don't get close enough to, like, cause you any harm. Maybe concern, because you don't like spiders, but yep. they, don't, they don't necessarily, like, cause you any reason to think you're in danger. Okay. Reminds me of cats. You know, like, if you're in the cat space for too long, they're like, what are you? <laughs> <Why are you here? laughs> sweet okay 
Frankie's totally not creeped out at all. Okay. Uh, and then you wake up Karen and Alicast? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen anything, Frankie? Spiders. <laughs> B- big spiders. Oh. Everywhere. Big spider. How, how well? How well? How big? They like you know palm size. That's usually a huntsman. You shouldn't worry about those. Or they're, they're big. They're at least you know Frankie over exaggerates a little bit. Uh, you know, at least the size of you. Oh. Twice. Uh, and they got big things and the pinchers. Okay. Oh well. And uh, you bed down, uh, right in the middle of everyone, and I will make sure that there no spiders get you. Okay, darling. Oh, thank you, thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Frankie snuggles in between Finn and Ido. Oh, oh. Cute. So, Karen, it is yours and Alakast's watch. You can roll a perception check at advantage because you have help. I do have help. <laughs> Man, jeez. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I rolled a natural one, and then I also rolled a three. So um, that's a seven to perception. <laughs> because uh, pro- probably because instead of looking out, uh, Karen has decided to have an argument with Alcast. <laughs> sure, uh, go ahead and start your argument, and I'll, I'll make your seven count later. A whispered argument. Yeah. She says. She says, "I just I don't know what you were thinking coming out here. Haven't you? Haven't you done enough?" Well, I don't know what you're thinking, working with Acer's Diamond Heart. He's a dick. <laughs> Sometimes you have to work with people that you don't like in order to get things that you need. Not that you don't understand anything about that, because you can't compromise on anything, apparently. You are about to go and get yourself killed for absolutely no reason. And the last thing I would have remembered of you is how you betrayed me to our mother. <laughs> Karen, work with me. I'll provide you with all the magic rocks that you need, so you can go have your fun city adventures. And what what is this? Last I heard, you were working at some paper company, and you know, and living the quiet life. And and you've got city children who've never dug a single thing up in their entire lives. And then what is this? You're here, and you're don't don't point at me like it's my fault you got caught. I mean, yeah, sure, I alerted the guards, but what were you even doing here? This makes no sense. I know it makes no sense. I I don't know why I'm here. We... None of this was meant to happen. We weren't even... We weren't... I wish I'd never heard of Electrum. I wish it was still a... Legend of the Dwarves some deep down magic that hadn't been removed from the world yet (sighs) every day I have to do things that I don't want to do because otherwise my family is in danger (sighs) and it's not I don't want to be here Alicast Carrot whatever whatever you want to be called now I didn't I'm not supposed to be a hero (sighs) She's kind of she's kind of sitting there with her hands over her eyes, like not looking at anything at all. Has she seen a spider? No. She hasn't looked at anything. <laughs> you look up at Alakas and 
you are like shocked for a second because she's got her fist back and she's reeling in for a punch and you you like for a second you flinch because you're like holy shit she's gonna she's gonna punch me but actually what she did was she um slapped a spider off the top of your head and she's like hey you gotta watch out the the small ones will sneak up on you oh i don't remember there being this many spiders when i used to mine here well sure i mean in the mines we just squash them And they stay, they stay away because we make all the noise, right? But this is their territory. Karen, you are amazing. I am sorry that you're in this situation that you don't want to be in, but you're fantastic. I, uh... <sighs> Did you know that, like, I've never seen a yeti get flung across a cave before? Did you know that, like, I don't have any friends and you have all these people? All these, like, strange and wonderful people who love you and who I'm pretty sure, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I think without whatever it is that's going on in your life, maybe you wouldn't have these friends. And sure, like, it's upsetting, but I don't have any friends. I'm just, I'm just here and no one believes in me, but not a single one of those people ever questioned that you would catch them. Yes, uh, I suppose you're right. Another spider, and then she like jumps up and like slaps another spider. <laughs> <up here. laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe we should uh, maybe we should actually keep watch out. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm still seriously though. Asus Diamondheart is a dick. Well, your deal with him is not going to go well. Well, uh... deal with me, huh? Huh? She's like making little frames with her face and like, <laughs> got her hands underneath the chin <laughs> posing for you. I might not be able to give you as much electrum, but it won't. You won't have to deal with him. All right. Well, let's talk about this after we're not uh, stuck at the bottom of a ravine, uh, being surrounded by spiders, shall we? Yeah. We'll. Uh, uh, we will revisit this. I promise. And from over in the sleeping pile, you hear Murphy being like, I'm not making a deal with an amateur. Shut up so we can go back to sleep. (laughs) I love Murphy. I love Murphy. (laughs) Yeah, so you wake up next morning and you start to travel up river. The path is tough and rocky. It's more of a climb than a walk, really. The, you know, the tunnel has basically been carved by this river. Um, it's illuminated by plants, mosses, and mushrooms of all kinds. The sounds of the water like bounce off of every surface, singing into the dark unknown like soft chimes in the wind. The sound of the water gets louder and louder, until eventually, after around seven hours of travel, you find what you're looking for. An enormous underground waterfall cascading down into a deep pool. The various glowing mosses and insects in the room create a beautiful, neon bathed scene something far and away the most beautiful place you've seen in a very very long time you you ever gotten close to a waterfall and like the way that the water like sprays out and like creates rainbows but then Mm. like imagine like a neon rainbow because rather than sunlight being created through the through the rainbow you're getting all these like beautiful neon tinges and it's wonderful oh The gem cutters wish that they could do this. Best of all, 
Not far from where you are, there appears to be uh, an intentionally created bridge of stepping stones <laughs> leading to directly under the waterfall to the other side where you can make out like a really faint sort of like orange glow. <laughs> uh, Karen will clear her throat and say, hmm, uh, Murphy, is this, uh, is this your time to shine or would you prefer us to take point? Well, um, I mean, they said the, the guy that we don't trust, the, the tiefling, not you, Idafer, I trust you, the other one, he said that our meeting was like beyond the veil or something, right? He's got to be on the, you know, behind the waterfall. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought that mean we had to die. <gasps> well, I'm glad that, that that didn't have to happen, Frankie. <sighs> <laughs> Beyond the veil, okay. Beyond the veil. <laughs> Frankie, we could kill you just to make sure if you really want. No, let's not, not do that. <laughs> not yet, but oh, put a pin in that. Wow. You're feeling right, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> So there's there's stepping stones, like small hops, you know, even for even for a dwarf or a halfling, small hops between stepping stones. You know, it's not a single path. There's a bunch of them all scattered that lead essentially like in a in a like a triangle shape, getting shorter and shorter until only a single path for the last four or five of them that go through and onto the other side of the waterfall. So you guys gonna start traveling? Yes, ma'am. Who wants to go first this time? Uh, I can. Cool. Okay. They're slippery stones. They're like kind of covered in like a little bit of like dew. So you really have to kind of like jump to one, catch your balance, and then hop to the next one, catch your balance. You can stand on them with two feet, um, but they do take like just a small kind of like rock hop uh, between each one. Okay. And you're about halfway across when you jump on one of the stones and it makes a weird noise. It goes, wow. Oh. And that doesn't sound good. Um, so Flynn, like, Flynn, like, are we rolling for initiative? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Flynn <sighs> freezes, and he kind of he goes, "I'm sorry if you're a creature, and I just stood on you." <laughs> what was that, Flynn? <laughs> Flynn, from beneath the water, a very strange-looking, hard to call it a creature, really, a really strange-looking thing begins to float up. Oh. into view it is you've never seen anything like it it is like a red lump of flesh with eyes and multiple mouths and like all of them are looking at you and why don't you go ahead and check the general chat for just what it is that we're looking at right now Oh, is its mouth open like that? So this is hideous, by the way. Oh, like Penny, you this have like, found like... you. You've consistently found the most awful, terrifying monsters in the so manual. Are is you this kind of like a mutated roper? It's called a gibbering mouther. Oh. <laughs> so where you guys are, you guys are all, including Alacast and Murphy, out on the stepping stones. Unless anyone specifically decided to stay behind, which I didn't hear anyone saying they were doing. No, no, um, no. I, I would like to say that Karen is probably at the back. She's leading up. She's cool. she's bringing up the rear. So there are four of these things that rise out of the water. Oh. One in front of Flynn, one behind Karen, and two off to each side. Oh, God. They, they rise up, and you can hear this incoherent babbling coming out of every single one of the mouths. And they are like... It's nonsense, but all the mouths, all at the same time, really, really start to confuse you 
and the front mouther is going to go ahead and take a bite at Flynn, and I do want everyone to roll initiative. Flynn! <laughs> okay, so Alakast got uh, 20. Good. 14. Artifa got 11. Oh, and then the mouthers got a 10, uh, and then Murphy got a 9. Frankie got a 3. And Karen got a four. As as per usual, uh, uh, me and Steph bringing up the rear. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Should be sorry. No, I'm joking. I would like the audience to know that as Penny introduced the gaping mouthers, um, she had the most evil smile on her face that I've ever seen Penny do uh, because she's very pleased with herself that she's found these horrible monsters for us. <laughs> Well, we are we are so far out of our comfort zone at the moment that I wanted to throw some like proper danger at you guys because I'm like, here's a mummy lord, and you guys are like, no, there isn't. I'm like, here's a T Rex, and you guys are like, who cares about that? So we're gonna start dealing with we're gonna start dealing with some real danger because I want there to be you know some stakes. All right, almost died so many times. Let's go ahead and start our combat. We're gonna start with Alakast, uh, who's gonna be like, oh my gosh, what the. What the hell is that? And she is going to swing at the nearest one with her pickaxe. Before she does that, there is a... She's starting her turn within 20 feet of a Malpha, and she can hear the gibbering, so she's going to make a uh, wisdom saving throw. Oh, no. Which she, does, which she does succeed. She got a 20. She got a natural 20, actually, so that's fine. So she is uh, she's perfectly fine to go for her attack. Uh, Alakast is going to swing her pickaxe uh, at the nearest Malpha. Um, so she's going to roll an attack roll. Uh, she, gets a, she gets a 9, which is a hit. And she's going to do 1d6 damage to the one on the far left, uh, which is going to be... For damage. She sinks it in, like basically pops one of its eyes, um, and it doesn't seem to respond in the normal way that you would if you had your eye stabbed by a pickaxe. It just kind of flinches a little bit, sort of sinks into the water, but doesn't uh, specifically uh, disappear. Mm. Next up, we are going to have Flynn. So looking at this creature, you said it's got lots of eyes. Yep. Can I tell if this is... So we're in a dark area, right? There's not much light. This area is actually very well lit by the mosses and like fungi and mushrooms and stuff. Like the... You are... Like it's not sunlight, but it is uh, fairly well lit by um, by the flora that uh, exists here. Okay. So I can't tell looking at their eyes if light would affect them in a negative way. Like you know how if you look at an underground fish and you're like, you don't survive on the light. You can roll uh, a check if you want to be able to tell that, but at the moment, like, it's not flinching in any way from the light that exists in this room. Mm, okay. By the way, um, it is the start of your turn. You are definitely within 20 feet of one of these things, so I want you to go ahead and roll a wisdom saving throw. Oosh. Um, where's my stat? Like, <laughs> a nine. <laughs> you fail. So on, on a failure, you can't take reactions until the start of your next turn, and you're going to roll a d8 to determine what you do during your turn. Okay. Ooh. Uh, a six. Uh, on a five or six, you take no action uh, or bonus action, and you're going to use all your movement to move in a randomly determined direction. So I have a... Off stance. Okay. I have a directional. So you're going to move back uh, your full movement, which I think is 25 feet for you. Uh, so you're going to jump. So you are now next to Karen. Can you just quickly roll me an arcana check? Uh, a natural 22. 
you snap out of your confusion after using and moving you, all your movement uh, back to where you came, you feel a familiar tingle standing on this particular stepping stone that feels like the way that Electrum does when it's used. You are now standing on a uh, magic font that exists purely on this stepping stone. So as long as you stand here, you can use any of your magic without consuming Electrum. Cool. Damn. Next up is going to be uh, Idafa. Tweed, um, just wondering, do I have advantage on any of them? Oh, are we are we adjacent to any of them? Yeah, they are on the outside. Um, we didn't. We don't have a map. Where, like, where would you be? Are you on far left, far right, forwards, or back? Um, so I was right at the back of the line. I like to carry up the rear. Okay, yeah. So that would mean that you are currently next to where Flynn is. I wouldn't say that you have flanking. So no, at the moment you don't have advantage. Ah, all right then. Um, in that case. I might just go ahead and use the good old fire da, 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 bolt, was it? Yeah, fire bolt on. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the one that's closest to me. Yep, so that would be the one that's bringing up the rear, the number four. Uh, go ahead and roll me a uh, spell attack roll. Cool, uh, that is. Oh, man, that's a seven. Seven doesn't hit. Damn. Oh, sorry, okay. can, you roll, can you roll me a wisdom saving throw? Oh, yeah, sorry, we'll we'll do that, I first. guess. First. Okay, sweet. Um, that is oh, twenty-one. Twenty-one passes. Yep. So, then you go ahead and do your firebolt. It misses and like singes out in the water instead. You can see from the picture this thing has like a weird loop on the side, so it just goes through the loop and into the water. Unfortunately, okay. doesn't uh, do any damage. I can't really hide, can I? You could use a bonus action to hide if you wanted to. You could hide behind Flynn. You could uh, jump into the water. You could hide in any number of ways. Oh, okay, sweet. In that case, I will just crouch down behind Flynn and, and hide. <laughs> okay, cool. Bonus action hide. Very good. Next up are the Mouthers. Uh, so we have four Mouthers. Uh, one of them is, so number one doesn't have anyone immediately next to it. So it's going to move its maximum mo movement speed, which is 10 feet of swimming, um, to get a little bit closer to Murphy, but not quite within melee attack. But it's going to use a, a blinding special attack. Oh, God. Um, it's going to a chemical glob at Murphy. Ew. Not Murphy! Which misses, he dives, he, well he did, he ducks, and it like splats off to the side. The next one is uh, going to be next to Frankie, so it's going to make a multi-attack against Frankie. Frankie, does a 12 hit you? 12? No. Good. It's cool, so the bite is going to miss, and it's going to do a blinding special attack at you. Uh, does a... So 9 also wouldn't hit you then? No, it wouldn't. Okay, so one of them tried to bite you, and then another mouth tried to spit acid at you, and it missed. The one on the far right is going to attack Karen. Okay. Karen, does a 18 hit you? An 18 does hit me. Okay. Oh, here we go. We're going to do 5d6 piercing damage. Uh, so it's going to be 15 piercing damage. Okay. And then it is going to also uh, do a blinding spittle at you, uh, which is only a which is only a four, so that's going to miss you as well. That does miss me, yes. Uh, and then the one at the back is going to attack Flynn. Mm. Flynn, ah. does a does a twelve hit you? No, it does not. Okay, and then it's going to do blinding spittle on you. Uh, this one does hit actually. Um, so it's going to it rolled a nineteen which I can assume does hit you. Yes. 
Um, so it spits a chemical glob at, at a point that it can see within 15 feet of it, which is which is at Flynn. The glob explodes in a blinding flash of light on impact. Uh, each creature within five feet of the flash, so this is uh, Flynn and Idafa, oh God. must succeed on a DC 13 deck saving throw or be blinded until this end of the Mouther's next turn. So go ahead and roll a deck saving throw, both of you. Oh, God, okay. Oh, thank God. Natural 20, baby. Nice, very nice. Flynn, what'd you get? I got 17. Yeah, so both of you passed. So the blinding spittle does kind of like hit Flynn and, you know, explodes in a little bit of light. Uh, There you go, Flynn. You got your answer about whether or not they're bothered by light. They are not. (laughs) But luckily, you both managed to close your eyes at the correct time and neither of you are blinded. Phew. Next up is Murphy, who's going to pull out a, a crossbow. And he's going to shoot, but it doesn't shoot a bolt. It shoots like a streak of fire. Uh, He rolled a 17, which is going to hit. And he's going to go for the one that, uh, he's going to go for the one that's closest to him at the front. So he's, oh, nice. He's going to go ahead and do uh, eight damage to the one at the front. Yeah. Um, Yay, Murphy. With his his crossbow, just point blank shoots fire at it. Uh, (laughs) Very nice. Uh, Next up is Karen. Okay, I would like to. I would like to attack the one that's closest to me. Oh, that's that's number three. Yes, I believe that's number three. So I'm going to need to get right up next to it. You are currently next to it. Okay, don't worry about that. Then I am adjacent to it. Uh, I'm going to roll the what was it? A wisdom save. Yes, roll, roll a wisdom saving throw, please. Oh, that's a five. Yeah, that's a fail. So can you go ahead and roll a d8 for me, please? Yeah. Seven. Uh, On a seven or eight, the creature makes a melee attack against a randomly determined creature within its reach uh, or does nothing if it can't make such an attack. So yeah, you can go ahead and make a melee attack against it. Yay! Okay. (laughs) I'm going to hit it with my great axe. Temperate or regular? I don't think... Because it's just a melee attack, I don't think I'm going to be using any of the special things because it's just like a bam. So I don't think that she's quite in the right state of mind to with the gibbering to like use any special attacks, which is also why I'm not doing rage. It's fair. Um, rage would have been a bonus action, but I think because the temperate great axe gets attached to an attack, you could activate the element if you want to, but I like your um, reasoning for why you're not going to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an 18 plus 8 to hit. Easy hit, easy hit. Easy hit. And um, 1d12. Oof. That is a 3 plus 5. That is an 8 slashing damage. Very nice. Uh, Yep, that's great. And that's the end of your turn. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't do any other actions. Frankie, it's your turn. Go ahead and roll me a wisdom saving throw. Go, Frankie, go. Go, Frankie, go. That's a 16. 16 passes. Yep, fantastic. Uh, So you can do whatever you like with your turn. Frankie is going to cast Flaming Sphere at the one that uh, tried to attack him. So he's like, watch this, everyone. I'm going to go fishing. (laughs) So Frankie. (laughs) What do I need to roll uh, for this? Is this a saving throw? Yes, so it needs to make a dexterity saving throw. DC's 15. Well, it's minus one. So I only got, I got 10 minus one, nine. Okay, so that means the creature takes 2d6 fire damage. 2d6 fire damage? Yeah, how much is that? That is 9 
damage. Good job. And bonus action. Uh, is there another one within 30 feet? They are all, oh, probably number, like the one at the front and the one at the back are both within 30 feet of you. Okay, so I will then take the spear and move it 30 feet uh, into, I guess, the one at the front. Oh, that's the one that's approaching Murphy? Yep. And that one will also need to do a dexterity saving throw. It got a two minus one. <laughs> Yikes. So that one takes seven fire damage. Very nice. Good work, Frankie. Yeah, Frankie's useful sometimes. Yeah, nice work. <laughs> Frankie's useful lots of times. Mm-hmm. Back to Alakast, who is going to take a swing at the one that is closest to Frankie. First, she's going to make a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> Which she passes. Yay. Yay! Yeah, so she is going to go ahead and grasp an electrum and uh, squeeze it until it's powder, and a bunch of spectral axes are going to start uh, flying around her. Oh, yeah. And then she's going to dive at the gibbering Malfa and uh, try and grapple it. So basically, she's like diving at it. It's not really a grapple because sword burst is actually an action. Um, so she's just going to get really close to it. So the Malfa needs to make a deck saving throw which it fails, and it's going to take 1d6 force damage, which it takes maximum damage from. Oh, wow. But also Alakast is now in the water. Ah. Okay, next up is Flynn. Okay. You are standing on top of a font, so you have access to all your magic right now. Big hit, Flynn. Big flip. Big hit. Wisdom saving throw. Okay. Eight? Just eight? <laughs> oh. No. I didn't add my, um, that was just my straight roll, so eight. Oh, what, what was the modifier? 10, sorry, it was a 2. Okay, a 10, a 10 is a pass. Oh, okay. And so I've watched this person, uh, this creature cast effects on my colleagues now a couple of times. Can I tell if it's using Frightened or a Charm now so I can do Counterspell or? It's, it's no. not a Frightened or a Charm, it's, it's like a, it's like an ability. Damn, okay. Well, is there a way that I can hit them in a 30-foot cone without hitting my colleagues if I angle it rally? No, unfortunately, basically you're all on the inside of a diamond and each of the mouthers are on the points of the diamond. So there's there's no way, if you're going to do fireball, it will hit three of them, but it will hit everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to cast fear, actually. There's no way that you can group them without also hitting most of the party. Okay. At the moment, what I can understand... Frankie and Alakast are right next to number one. Number two. Okay. Murphy is right next to number one. Murphy's about 10 feet away from number one. So it's yep. approaching him, but it's not next to him yet. Uh, Karen is right up against number three. And uh, Idafa and Flinva, you guys are closest to number four, which is the that, back of the diamond. That is correct. Thank you for keeping track of that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then on the ones that I can reach without, I'll angle the cone. So I'm gonna do um, cast fear, yeah. I, um, but I'm gonna angle the cone so that it it does just get them in, and misses the first the first two that Karen just mentioned. Karen, let's okay. just mention. <laughs> yeah. So to do that, you need to move. You would have to hop off of the font and move essentially like around behind number four. Okay. Well, okay. I will choose to move then, and I'll say, stand here if you want to use your magic. It's 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 like a, a geyser of electrum. I don't know if you'd use the word font. And then I move closer so I can cast this 
Yep, so uh, you're gonna go ahead and do fear on two of them. Are you gonna do the one that's closest to Karen or the one that's closest to... Actually, if you did the other one, you would also hit Alakast because she's in the water with it. Yeah, no, I'll do the one closest to um, Karen. Okay, cool. So um, what do I need to do? Is it a saving throw? <laughs> yes, so you need to do a wisdom savings throw. One rolled five, one rolled 18. So the one next to Karen rolled an 18, the one closest to you rolled a five. So the 18 does save, but the one, the other one doesn't. Okay, so what does this do? I project a plasmodial, plasmodial image of the creature's worst fear. Each creature within the cone that, uh, that doesn't succeed must drop whatever it's holding and become frightened, which means it must dash away from you to the safest available route on each of its turns unless there is nowhere to move. If the creature ends its turn in a location where you... If it doesn't have line of sight to you, the creature can make a wisdom saving throw again. And if Sorry, it, it has to move away from you on its turn. Yeah. Cool. That's fine. It's going to move essentially over towards Karen. Wait. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Uh, Idafa, you're up next. Cool. All right. So I'm going to go for the one. Oh, no. I probably shouldn't go for the one that Alakaz is grappling. I'll go for the one that Karen's next to. Okay. So you're going to hop over towards Karen. It'll probably take about 20 feet of movement to get there. Do I? No, I've got range. Okay, yep. Yeah, because I was hidden, am I still hidden even though Flynn moved? You are still hidden, yep. Oh. Regardless, Karen was adjacent well, to I'm it. I'm adjacent, so. so don't worry about yeah. it. All right, so I am going to use my dagger yep. with sneak attack. So fingers crossed I actually hit it. You have Electrum for a sneak attack. I'm standing on the, on the thing. You need to move on to the specific stepping stone that's a font. Oh, okay. Okay. Which, is five, which is five feet of movement. Cool. I shall do that first. Cool. That's fine. Cool. Um, I got uh, 20, unnatural 20 for my attack, so I assume I hit. That hits. Cool. All right. One, two, three. Was was save? I'm sorry. Yeah, you do need to do a wisdom save. That's right. Because oh, oh, <laughs> the, the one that Flynn frightened is still close enough to you that, yeah, that, that it's, it's within. It hasn't moved yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're on the font, so that so you do have advantage. Oh, sweet. Okay. No, yeah, that's all good. I got like a nineteen. Yeah, it's a DC ten to pass, so it's not uh, not the hardest uh, thing in the world to pass. Please carry on with your turn. Go ahead. Cool. And all right. So you, you hit it. Go ahead and do your damage and your sneak attack. Cool. So that is eleven damage. Very nice. Thank you. So Karen, <laughs> over, over your shoulder, a purple, uh, glowing purple dagger flings past you and hits the Malva that you're closest to, doing a really good amount of damage, lopping off one of those weird eye stalks that it seems to have, doing a, doing a nice little bit of damage there. Woo. Anything else you'd like to do on your turn? You still have a bonus action? Um, I'd like to jump into the water to hide. Yeah, cool. That's fine. Very good. Um, next up are the Malvers. So I'm going to go ahead and, and do them one at a time. Blinding Spittle is a recharge ability, so I'm just going to roll all four of them to see if they get it. Only one of them does. So only the one that's closest, the, only the frightened one is going to have access to Blinding Spittle. Oh, God. It's, <laughs> now it's frightened that it can't use it anyway. The one that's closest to Murphy is going to get a little bit closer and try and bite him. Uh, it does actually get it. It does actually manage to do that. Rolls 18. So it's going to be 5d6 piercing on Murphy, which is not great because he doesn't have a lot of do. Oh. Murphy's down. Murphy takes <laughs> enough damage oh, no. that um, it bites him and uh, he falls into the water. Oh, no. 
Next up is uh, Mouther number two, which is the one that's currently wrestling with Alakar's gonna try and bite her. Does not manage to do so, also can't use Blinding Spittle. Number three, the one that's closest to Karen, is going to try bite you. Does a six hit you, Karen? No. And number four, the one that is closest to uh, Flynn and Idafer is going to move 10 feet towards Karen. So it's going to move past Idafer, which means Idafer, you get attack of opportunity. Actually, Flynn and Idafer are both going to get attacks of opportunity on it. Nice. Sick. Can I whip out my short sword for this one? Yeah. Oh, no. Comments back up. Hang on. I yeah? think for that, you would have had to have dismissed your dagger. Mm last time yeah that's what i thought in order to do that so you can do an unarmed punch but yeah i'll just punch him yeah cool so go ahead both of you roll an attack roll what's an unarmed punch is that d4 it's a d4 yeah okay so you're gonna you're gonna roll the hit first yeah oh okay no i didn't hit it i got a natural one so you can probably give me some damage if you want Uh, you punch it and you punch it right in one of its mouths and the mouth uh kind of sucks on your hand oh yeah doesn't do any damage but it's pretty gross Artifa has a new kink. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Flynn, what was your attack like? Does a seventeen hit? Seventeen does hit. This thing has—I I specifically chose something that has a lot lower AC than the <laughs> Roper that we fought last time. <laughs> so I'm gonna Adam strike, and so that's two D four plus two. You plus can two. use your laughing blade for this if you want to. Oh, okay. Um, the only reason I'm not letting Idafer use his is because I made the rule that if you want to change weapons, or you have to dismiss the old one first, and he chose not to do that. Okay, well then I definitely use the Laughing Blade, <laughs> which is... That changed my green sword. So that's 1d6 plus 5. I like that better. Oh, well that's 12 uh, piercing flashing damage. 12? Yeah. That was a good hit. That was a really good hit. Cool. Okay, it moved 10 feet. It's about halfway between Flynn and Karen. Moving on, Murphy's down. He's going to make a death save. <laughs> he got natural 20. He's back up. Oh, yeah. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> he is conscious, but he's just sort of like grabbing onto the, the nearest stone to him. He's still in a bit of trouble because the mouther is right there. Uh, Karen, you're up. Uh, okay. How far away is Murphy from me? Is he less than 35 feet? Yes, easily. Okay, cool. I'm going to go over to him. Oh, the mother is going to get an attack of opportunity on you? It is going to do that, yes. It misses. Fantastic. I love that when it happens. So I'm going to use my movement to get over to Murphy. It's three steps, so it's 15 feet uh, to get over to where Murphy is. Lovely. I'm going to... Can I use my bonus action to kind of haul him out of the water? Is that was is that okay? Go ahead and roll me an athletics check. If you get above 15, then yes, you can. That's a 17 on the dice plus 8. Yeah, so that's fine. You go ahead and uh, use your bonus action to pull Murphy out of the water. Lovely. And then Karen's going to use her heals kit, which is an action to heal him for 1d6 plus 4. And the way that she uses her healing kit is she is... Karen as a dwarf is very into crystals. And even though what is really happening is she's using an electrum, she kind of channels it through a rose quartz that she has. Um, She's got a bunch of different jangly jewelry that's on her. And the rose quartz is the healer's kit, which is her necklace. So she kind of puts that on his forehead and then presses an electrum 
through it, for lack of a better word, and heals him for uh, eight HP. Nice. That's a great. That that's awesome. So he is like well back up. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of HP because he's not a fighter like you guys. <laughs> that's why he brought you along. He's like, this is exactly why I brought you along. Oh, I know, I know, Murphy. Okay, that is your turn. That is my turn. Okay, next up is Frankie. Okay, so Frankie is just going to. Does he have to do another wisdom saving throw? Yes. Oh, I forgot about the wisdom saving. I'm so sorry. That's right. <laughs> okay. She passed uh... it. <laughs> Ooh, thank you for ooh. thank you for reminding me. So bad at running, so bad. Frankie got an eight. Yeah, you're gonna have to go ahead and roll a d uh, d eight for me. Uh, oh. Okay. Okay. D eight. Let's go. Seven. Hey. Uh, you can make a melee attack against the one that's closest to you, and I believe your flaming sphere is technically still in play, right? Yes, it is. So. I'm going to go ahead and rule that you still get to do the Flaming Sphere on the Mouther that is closest to Murphy, um, and you can roll a melee attack against the one that Alakast is wrestling with. Okay. So, that one Mouther uh, needs to do a dexterity saving throw. I got a four. Okay. So that means it takes three damage, three fire damage. There you go. And the one that Alakas is wrestling with, you got a melee attack against that one. So that's like punching it and stuff, right? Do you have any melee weapons? Uh, no. Yep, so it's punching it, which would be yeah. using your strength, probably. Roll a, roll a <laughs> melee attack using strength. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Frankie rolled an 11. Yep, 11 hits. Oh, shit. I mean, oh, wow. And it's 1d4 <laughs> damage. Okay. That's four. Nice. Hey! Oh, nice. Thank you, Shook. <laughs> it's time to get a little weak looking. Okay, next up is Alakast. Alakast is going to, like, you punched it, and she's just going to go ahead and sink her axe into it. Oh, she rolled a natural 20. This is double damage. Oh, yay! Kick his ass. Ooh, she got 14 damage and the mouther starts to shrink. Oh. Like it starts to like collapse in on itself a little bit. Oh. Yeah, very nice. Uh, so she rolled a uh, natural 20 and then she rolled max damage, which is pretty cool. Hell yeah. Okay, and after that is Flynn. This was a weird question, but do they have ears? They like, don't I... seem to have ears. Oh, but they heard, they heard us, right? So we stood on something. We st you stood on one of them. You stood on one of them, yeah. Oh, that was <laughs> So, I, I give you a little bit of background. You stood on an alarmed one and it sent vibrations out through the water. It didn't, like, it made a noise, but under the water, that noise was vibrations. Mm. Mm. I cannot hear. I think I might just straight move forward and then hit them because I've only got shatter as, like, a, a another ranged thing, and if they can't hear it, it's not worth it. <laughs> you have Bible? Oh, I do have Bible. I keep thinking about that because I don't have the, um, I lost the little card. Now only five foot away from each other at the moment, if I remember correctly, because number three didn't move and number four moved ten foot towards it. So they're in a nice little cluster right now. Ooh, and that's like eight to six damage if they don't. Okay, <laughs> yes, I'm going to cast Bible. Oh, so you're going to cast Bible in a way that gets number three and number four within? Is everyone clear of 
Does that mean yes. that? Uh, yeah. You can hit both yeah. of them yeah. without hitting anyone else. Yep. How much electrum does that consume? It'd be three. Mm. The third level spell. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, Idafer is currently oh. standing on the font. Actually, you could move within. Because oh. you can stand within Idafer's space, right? Because you're a halfling. Yes. So I'm actually in the water. Oh, yeah, then you're fine. Then you can go stand on the font if you don't want to spend electrum. Oh, sweet. I'm definitely going to do that then. <laughs> gonna, so I quickly move, like I dash to, or not dash, I move to the font and I cast Fireball, shoving my hands out in front of me. And I'm like, I'm done with these creepy things. So that's two <laughs> dexterity saving throws, right? Yes. What's your DC? 13. Both fail. Yeah! Cool, go ahead and roll me 8d6 fire damage on these guys. Go, Nate, go! Oh my god, that was... What the hell? <laughs> Those are pretty good rolls. I'm, I've never rolled three sixes at once in a, in a bunch. Okay. Also, I'd like to make the point that where Flynn was was not within 20 feet of any of the Mouthers, so I didn't miss a wisdom saving throw. He just didn't have to make one. Uh, <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, that's true, because he started outside of the diamond. 32 damage. <laughs> yeah. So both of the ones that you hit both shrivel. Anyone who can see them... Rather than like shriveling up into nothing, they actually like collapse in on themselves as though they are, they have a black hole inside them and they essentially just like shloop down into nothing. So two of them uh, both take enough damage that they shloop down into uh, essentially like a speck and then the speck disappears. Wow. I'm, so I'm imagining that their screams are kind of like, a, like a, but then it's also kind of reversed. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. These things remind me of those things from Sesame Street, you know, the bloop, bloop. Oh, yeah. scary, <laughs> but terrifying. <laughs> oh. So you've defeated two of them. And so what happens after that is that now that some of them have been killed, the other two basically, like, sink down into the water. Good. Because they go underwater, you can no longer hear them. Um, they're probably down there still somewhere, but they're no longer bothering you. Can I have an attack of opportunity against number one as it sinks past me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Dab it right in the gut. That's a, a 10 plus 8. Yeah, hits. That is a 1d12 plus 5. That is a 7 plus 5, 12. Slashing damage as it just kind of like past. You chop the top part of its head in half on its way down, but it just splits out and then both of the two tops of its head uh, merge new mouths and new eyes. Uh, and it sinks down Disgusting. with all of its eyes uh, fixed <laughs> on you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and so you're you're catching your breath for a second, and then you hear like a shunk noise oh coming no. from behind the waterfall. And then you hear kind of like a mechanical <laughs> and emerging from the waterfall is a broken warforged. It is missing most of its plating, including most of its face plating, and it only has one arm. And it says to you in a crackling voice, state your business. <laughs> and Murphy, who's like basically holding on to Karen, looks up at it and he's like, We have an appointment. <laughs> The 
interlopers. They have gone for now. They will be back. My name is Tess, head sister of scouting party. If you want some advice, do not leave your city garbage here. This place is for nature. Help it grow, or we will cut you down.